What happens if a young professional misses the deadline to sign up for benefits? If you miss that period, you're out of luck. (laughs) There's no opportunity to make any additional choices. You're either stuck with what you had, you will lose what you didn't choose. The one caveat to that is if you have what's called a QLE or a qualifying life event. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias. I'm your host, Caspi Bias. In our last episode, we started to go into how to understand employee benefits. Employee benefits, according to peoplekeep.com, are any forms of perks or compensation that are provided to employees in addition to their base salaries and wages. As benefit enrollment season is officially here, This is the time where it is essential to talk more about how you as a young professional can enroll in your own company's benefits so that you may have what you need for the year ahead. Whether it's relative to dental, vision, or medical, we're going to answer all of your questions today on how to understand your options. Joining me in today's conversation again is Tynesha Farmer. Tynesha is an HR professional who has experience in employee benefits, engagement, and the employee well-being space. Tynesha has spent 20 years in the human resources field. She is PHR certified, SHRM certified, and has a well-being certification. If you haven't already, check out the new Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias animated series. There, you can review a few captivating moments from each episode in animated form. Check out the show notes for a link to the series. All right. Let's continue the conversation. As far as the next question, there are other things in our plans like long-term disability, et cetera, just different things in our plans. What if a young professional doesn't necessarily need these things currently? So I would say don't count them out. Obviously, everything that your employer offers is a part of your total compensation package. And the employer, when they look at you as an employee, as a full-time employee to whom they've offered benefits, they're including your salary and your benefits package as a part of the total compensation package that they've offered you. So while cash is king and most young people are just looking at what is my salary? What's my bonus structure? Like they want to know what, how much money am I bringing home? That stuff's important, but don't count out your benefits package. When you're looking for a new employer, those things are important to consider. And even if you're not in that phase of your life where you'd be thinking about long-term disability or paternal, parental benefits, maternity leave, don't count them out. You want to try to find an employer that offers those things because if they should happen to become part or a need that you'll have, You want to know that you have a good, solid plan that offers a smorgasbord of great benefits because you don't know that they won't. You don't know how long you're going to stay there unless in your mind you already know that you're leaving. Does this employer offer a solid benefits package? One, it shows that they really care about their employees and that's the kind of place you want to work in. Two, if you come upon those phases in your life that Whoops, whether that be accident or planned, I'm pregnant. You know that you have, Oopsies. <laughs> you know that you have a good plan that's going to support you through the various phases of your life. Third, 
It also means that if they're already offering a solid benefits package, the likelihood is that the benefits over time are probably just going to get better. Because year over year, that benefits administrator or director is always looking for ways to enhance their plans and get better. Very rarely where you see companies pull back on benefits unless there are some financial constraints that are causing that. So if they're already offering a solid package, it probably means that the benefits in the future are just going to get better. So just to follow up question with that, where exactly would people be able to go in order to learn more about what their employer offers as far as benefits in general? Do they ask that question during the interview? Once they're getting interviewed for a particular position at the company, when exactly do they start asking? So I would say if you're considering an an employer to even interview with, let's say you see a job and you're like, I'm interested in this role. Let me learn a little bit about the organization. Go out and start doing your research. Check out Fairy God Boss, Fishbowl, Blind, The Muse, Glassdoor, Comparably, Indeed.com, and find out what other people are saying about the benefits that are offered. But typically, the employer has taken some time. Somebody in that organization is assigned to their employer profile on those sites to make sure that they're up to date with the most up-to-date information. You can simply find out a lot about what benefits are offered there. Two, just go out to the employer's website. They typically will have a page that talks about, hey, what who we are, what we do about this company. Their careers page will take you through what sort of benefits that they offer. Usually it's pretty high level. But those sites that I previously mentioned will definitely help you to get some more in-depth insider information. And then if you find that, okay, this company still sounds good to me, I want to interview, you're granted an interview, and then you get to the offer stage. Before you accept an offer, this is when this negotiation thing takes place. You'll want to ask the employer, can you please send me a copy or provide me access Because a lot of employers have a website behind the scenes, so it's more in-depth than what they provide the public, but one that will give you more in-depth information like this is what it's going to cost you for your health insurance. These are the administrators that we use, whether it be Cigna or Aetna or Blue Cross or Anthem or whomever it is. So it gives you an opportunity to agree with a fine-tooth comb what benefits are offered, who are providers of those benefits, and ask all of the questions. All right, perfect. Shifting gears here a little bit, EAP, could you go a little bit more into what that is? So the T on EAP, so (laughs) EAP, what it stands for is Employee Assistance Program. And typically EAPs are offered um, outside of the medical plan. They're typically available to all employees, whether or not they choose to participate in the medical plan. Most people think of EAP and they think that's for people who have substance abuse programs or problems, or that's a program for people that have mental or emotional disorders or problems. And that's not necessarily the case. There typically is some carve out for support for employees that have those sorts of matters or issues to be considered, whether they be substance abuse or alcohol abuse and or mental or emotional problems. Typically, it's six to eight visits and that you can go. Anyone on your cover under you or listed as dependent could go and utilize that program to help them through any one of those issues. And it's typically a visit, six to eight visits per problem. 
So let's say this person has a mental disorder, but then they also begin abusing alcohol. Those are two separate issues that we get six to eight visits for the alcohol issue, six to eight visits for the mental or emotional disorder. Since the pandemic, most employers are understanding that mental health disorders really are a thing. And so they're offering also these enhancements to these EAP programs that really do more than have ever been done in the past with typical EAP programs. But then with EAP, you also have things like, I'm looking for pet insurance. I just got a new puppy and I have no idea what to do with this or what to choose or how to. I'm looking to buy a new house. How do I start that? What do I need to consider? Credit. What does that look like? So there are educational programs to help you with all sorts of phases of life and all sorts of issues and areas in life. So you'll typically find that there's a plethora of things that EAP programs can help you with. And even if they can't be really targeted, it's general information to at least start you down the right path or resources then to point you in the right direction where you can find more targeted information. With my current company, they sent us an email a little while ago, like reminding us, oh, hey, so we have these resources for you guys. I believe there was something, the pandemic that was happening and is still happening. So they sent out an email saying like, oh, hey, if you guys are interested in these resources, just to let you know, we still have them. So they outline like different types of therapy resources that we could look more into as far as talking with counselors and other individuals for assistance. What, if anything, in an employee benefits package could help pay off a young professional student loan debt? So if you are a young professional or an older professional like myself who still has student loan debt that you're trying to pay down, as you're looking for a new employer, that might be one of the things that's on your checklist of must-haves or a wish list, right, of benefits that you'd like your employer to add or to offer. Some employers are offering some sort of student loan debt repayment program. And if they have it, great, take advantage. Typically, most employers have some sort of tuition reimbursement program. The CARES Act actually has allowed them to take that same $5,250 and pay towards employees' student loan debt. Are most employers taking advantage of that? Nope. Nope. (laughs) So it could be just as simple as your benefits person doesn't know. So some of it is it's a choice by the employer to do so or not, as well as the same as student loan debt repayment programs. If your employer doesn't offer one, what you'll want to do is find out what sorts of things can I do? I need to get as much money coming to me in salary and bonus and signing bonus etc. so that I can take those funds and pay towards that student loan debt. So let's say a young professional, they understand everything within the benefits package, they're all good to go. What happens if a young professional misses the deadline to sign up for benefits? There are laws around employers offering benefits. And it the laws prescribe that they offer enrollment periods, but they're very specific about not allowing just willy-nilly enrollment. Typically, you have two that are allotted to you. When you start as a new employee, you have new hire enrollment. It typically is 30 days from your new hire date 
and you have this 30-day period to choose your benefits that are going to be in force for whatever time period is remaining in that calendar year. And then typically for most employers, it's the fall of the year, September, October, November, you'll find that employees are doing what's called annual open enrollment. And it's that one time per year during the calendar year where you're enrolling in benefits. So it gives you an opportunity to choose benefits from the same smorgasbord, whether there be additions or subtractions from that benefit offering for the upcoming calendar year, the incoming calendar year. You don't want to miss that period because it typically is about two weeks. Some are a little longer, some a little shorter, but on average, about two weeks of time that allow you to look over what's being offered, what's changed, what's new, what's different, what's been added, subtracted, and choose your benefit choices for the incoming calendar year. If you miss that period, you're out of luck. (laughs) There's no opportunity to make any additional choices. You're either stuck with what you had. You will lose what you didn't choose. And that's completely based upon what the benefits administrator for your organization, if they're going to do what's called a passive enrollment or an active enrollment. An active enrollment means that you have to choose new benefits this year because something's changed or because they're forcing everybody to be engaged and they want you to be engaged and choose something every year. Or a passive enrollment, like whatever you had is going to stay the same. If you don't choose anything at all, it's going to stay exactly what you had. Either way, you've got this two-week window to make choices for the incoming calendar year. The one caveat to that is if you have what's called a QLE or a qualifying life event. So should something occur in your life that would allow you to have a need to make new or additional elections, so think about that you've had a baby, you've adopted a child, you've gotten married, you've gotten divorced. I think the one that maybe applies to younger professionals is you are able to stay on your parents' coverage until age 26. After you hit age 26, you lose coverage. Your parents' employer will typically send you a letter or something that says, hey, we're kicking your kid off our plan. They need to find their own coverage. And so if you're with an employer that offers coverage, that letter, sending that a copy of that letter to your benefits administrator will tell them, hey, we need to provide this employee a qualifying event open enrollment period during which they can choose benefits because you will no longer have coverage with your previous plan under your parents. Like I said, in any of those other qualifying life events where there's a need for a change in coverage, whether it be adding someone or subtracting someone from your plan, letting your benefits administrator know, typically within 30 days of the event, will be your window to make changes to your benefits. Tanisha's so just dropping all the gems here today, folks. Like <laughs> Dropping sites, dropping notes. Yes. Take plenty of notes. <laughs> this is very helpful. And I do remember there was this one other time too, where through the employee benefits package that I had, I don't remember what it was called, but it was like a wellness checklist or checkup or something. Basically, I had to go to the doctor and I did not do that. And so as a result, I was charged, I believe it was for like a smoking fee. Surcharge. Yes, surcharge, like the following year. And I was like, I don't smoke. What is this? And a certain amount was getting taken out of my account because I didn't take the steps that I needed to take before the deadline to sign up for benefits. And so then I basically was impacted that whole entire year 
<laughs> until the next time that the benefits enrollment had opened up. So rest assured, listen, I definitely was on time for that date. The next time the benefits enrollment opened up, I was like, yeah, we're getting this off right now. I'm not like my money is being taken out for no reason. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> the last question that I have here. I know that there is one particular section where it talks about like primary beneficiaries within your benefits package. What happens if you don't list anybody within the primary beneficiary area and you end up definitely not willing this to happen, but let's say that you end up passing away. Like what, what specifically happens? Do your benefits automatically go to your parents, even though you don't necessarily list them? What all happens with that? There are a couple things. Typically, your benefits administrator, if they are on top of things, they're not going to let you go without a beneficiary. So that's important. That should be on the top of your mind when you elect new benefits. I need to have beneficiaries chosen. In the case that you don't have a beneficiary, essentially the insurance company holds the money until they can verify your next of kin and they come and claim that. Your benefits administrator will probably get involved and like, okay, this person doesn't have a beneficiary listed. Were they married? Are their parents living? Is there a brother or a sister? They don't necessarily know that information unless you've shared it on the beneficiary form. Again, which is why it's so important for you to own that responsibility and list the beneficiary. If you have bills and that kind of stuff, then probate gets involved. But let's say you don't have any outstanding bills, no outstanding debt. The money just sits there. Nobody can claim it. If you do have parents that are living or family members, if they know that you have the policy, they can try to claim it. But then there's the how they have to prove that they are related to you and that there's a, it's just messy is what it is. Don't be messy. This is part of adulting 101, people. Adulting 101. (laughs) Go ahead and list a beneficiary. It's so much cleaner for everyone. If there's somebody clearly listed that they would contact to say, this person had this policy here. We know that they are deceased. We would like to pay this money out to the person that's listed. Those things are important. And then if you have well-being programs in place, make sure that you've met all the criteria to get all the appropriate benefits and not be subject to any surcharges as Kathy yep. found out from <laughs> Because they are not fun. So it's like, why are y'all taking this out of my account? Oh, crap. I can't change this until next year. Oh, okay, cool. Thank, thank yeah. you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Don't miss your deadlines. Thank you, Tynusha. Thank you very much for informing our audience more about employee benefits. I really appreciate you coming onto the show and Yes, just thank you so much for coming onto the show. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you anytime. Excellent. And thank you, audience members, for listening. I'd like to hear from you all as we continue with season three. What do you want to chat about? Who do you want me to bring onto the show? Feel free to reach out at caspielbias at gmail.com. Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias is a production of C Bias Productions, LLC. For more episodes of Adulting 101 with Caspi Bias, visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.